good morning. I want to welcome all of you here. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called Generous. And uh, so the, la the first, first two sermons of this series have been, how can we be generous? Pastor Ike spoke to us on how we can be a generous receiver. And today I want to take a little bit of a different angle and start with a question, and it is this. With what do we struggle being generous with? What is the one thing that we struggle being generous with the most? Is it money? Some of you are maybe very stingy with your money. You, you make like copper wire out of your, out of your pennies, whatever. You're, you're very stingy with your money. You're like, I'm not giving that stuff away. So you're, you have a very hard time being with, generous with your money. But is that the thing that we struggle with the most? I don't think so. How about your time? We struggle giving our time. We're, we're busy people in Ontario, after all. We, we're running from one good thing to another. We have jobs. We have sports. We have all these different things. And we are maybe sometimes stingy with our time. But is that the thing that we struggle with the most? I don't think so. I think, that, I think the thing that we struggle with the most to be generous with is sharing our hearts. Sharing our hearts, sharing who we are, and walking with people in grace and love. And so today I want to kind of uh, have one of those sermons that maybe is a, it's a heart-searching sermon. It's maybe a little difficult to process, but I don't want us to miss it. Because it's so foundational as we go into the Christmas season to understand that for us to be generous, it will count of us the opportunity and the need to share it of ourselves and out of our hearts. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, you have been generous to us. And as we just, uh, in this season, are thinking about generosity and, and how we can share the love and the generosity you have had for us and with other people, I pray that you will just stir our hearts today. I ask that you be an encouragement to us. And if there are people here, and I know there are, because there always are, that are carrying hidden pain, hidden burdens, I pray that you will touch them, that they will feel your presence, and that you will comfort them in their time of need, and that other people will be generous and walking with them. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we contemplate, as we think about this topic, sharing our hearts with each other, I think we need to start right where we start when we do these conversations. And that is, how has God related to us? How has God been generous to us? God has come, God came to share himself with us. This is one of the foundational good truths, good news of the gospel. That God did not just keep himself from us, but he came to share himself with us. Jesus came about 2,000 years ago that God shared himself with us. He was generous to us. He did not keep his love, his grace, and his heart from us. John chapter 1, verses 14, uh, teaches us uh, what Jesus, how Jesus was generous to us. It says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So it starts off by saying the word became flesh. So what is this 
referring to? What does the Bible mean when it teaches us that the Word became flesh? You'll notice in your Bibles that if you see the word, Word, in this context, it's capitalized. And so in the English language, when something is capitalized, it's a, it's a noun proper, meaning that it's a, a name of a person or a thing. And so when we read this word, Word, and it's capitalized, it's referring to a person. And it's referring to Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the word. And this is a theme that John kind of unpacks over and over again in his writings. There's five writings by John in the New Testament. Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. And in this, these books we have this word, the word, logos. And it's capitalized in our English. And it refers to Jesus Christ as the final revelation of God. So in the Old Testament, we had the Word of God, meaning that God had revealed His will to us, He had re revealed His character to us, and we knew about God, He had sent His prophets, He had sent Moses, we have the law and we have the prophets. But by and large, God kind of kept back. He didn't come and live among us. And so when the Bible says the Word became flesh, it means that the revelation of God, God himself, came down, became one of us. This means that Jesus became flesh, he became fully human. So all the things that we would say is the human experience. Joy, having uh, fun times with others, grief, peace, joy, suffering, all of these different things that make up who we are as humans. Jesus became that. He became us. He was God with skin on. And he was also the word in the sense that he revealed in person the final plan of how God was going to re redeem all of mankind back to himself. That we as humans be back in proper relationship with him. Then it says that the word dwelt among us. Like I said already, in the Old Testament, God seems to be content kind of staying at a distance. So he sends his prophets. He sends his angels. He gives the law. He sends um, prophecies through the prophets. All the while, God kind of, kind of keeps back. And if we're honest, we can kind of see why. God has experienced perfect relationship among himself, if we, we word it that way, as a trinity. God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. They've had this perfect relationship for all of eternity. And there's never any fighting among them. It's always perfect unity. And then he creates his creatures who have a ca capacity for relationship. And we make a huge mess of ourselves. We're fighting among ourselves. We're rebelling against each other. We're rebelling against God. And so in a sense, we can't blame him for keeping back from him. But even in that, we see a God that reveals his heart, reveals himself to us. The word, however, Jesus Christ came and dwelt among us. How many of you have had to go see a specialist? Like, a, like let's say you have a problem with your eye or, or your liver, you go see a specialist. Anyone had to do that? Okay, so here's kind of the process in Ontario. So... You go make an appointment with your family doctor, and you have to wait a little while. Then some, the receptionist calls you, and the secretary calls you, and the, finally you get to see your family doctor. And then the family doctor gives you a piece of paper. You go see another 
maybe a lab technician, you see their um, receptionist, their admin assistant, and then they make an appointment for you to go see the specialist. You talk to their receptionist, their admin assistant, um, a nurse, maybe two nurses, and then you get put in this cold room with a weird bed and weird equipment on the wall. And then this man comes in, you see him for half a minute, and then he walks out and you've seen your specialist. Isn't that basically accurate? So how many people have to you, do you have to go through before you see, see the real specialist? Sometimes probably like six, ten people. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus came, and if he's the specialist, if we kind of use that illustration, he's a specialist, he came and lived among us. He dwelt among us. There were no people that we kind of have to go through. Jesus didn't have secretaries and admin assistants and all these different things. He was approachable. He dwelt among us. And the word dwelt among us. Furthermore, Jesus showed his emotions in front of other people. And so if, as we talk about dwelling among people or sharing our hearts with people, sharing our emotions is going to be a major part of that. And just listen to what Walter Hansen kind of sums up the ministry of Jesus. He says that the gospel writers paint their portraits of Jesus using a kaleidoscope, kaleidoscope of brilliant emotional colors. Jesus felt compassion. He was angry, indignant, and consumed with zeal. He was troubled, greatly distressed, very sorrowful, depressed, deeply moved and grieved. He sighed, he wept, he sobbed, he groaned, he was in agony, he was surprised and amazed. He rejoiced very greatly and was full of joy. He greatly desired and he loved. Really sums up the full spectrum of the human experience and emotion. And yet Jesus, as he dwelt among us, was not scared to show what was going on inside. He shared his emotions with us. And I think if you're like me or others, I think we all struggle at times really showing our emotions. We don't want to have people see us cry. We don't want to have people see us laugh. Maybe you're like one of those laughing snorter people. Like you snort when you laugh. I don't know if you are. You don't want to have people see your real emotions. You don't want to have people see you cry. You don't want to have people see you uh, kind of struggle and doubt and all these different other emotions that we have. But Jesus put his emotions out for everyone to see. He was willing to share his heart with people. Next it uh, teaches us that Jesus served out of who he was. And there's this phrase here. It says, we have seen his glory. In the same way that Jesus didn't have a secretary, Jesus also didn't have business cards made for himself. I'm being a little silly here, but we don't, we don't get the sense of Jesus where he has like a business card and it says Jesus Christ of Nazareth and then underneath it says Son of God and then he's got like his email address, phone numbers, and all his credentials. And he keeps going to village and village and he hands his business cards out and really flaunts who he is. That's not the picture we get of Jesus. Jesus goes and he just, he's himself. And as people see him for who he really is, it says that we beheld his glory. We saw him for who he is. And as we consider how we are to share ourselves with other people, it's not going to be our credentials, it's not going to be our abilities 
that make an impact on people. It's going to be who we are, our authentic selves, our hearts, that make an impact on people. We need to be ourselves, that people can see us, and that out of who we are, they are changed. Next, it says that Jesus came from the Father full of grace. So basically, what grace is, is grace is doing for someone else what they cannot do for themselves for their benefit at one's own expense. So I know that's a mouthful, but basically it just sums up how Jesus showed grace to us. We were not able to help ourselves, but Jesus helped us. We were not able to do enough good things, and you are not able to do good enough things, that Jesus will be like, okay, yeah, he's, he's on the right path, I'll give him salvation. No, we are helpless to do enough good things so that God will receive us as his children. We are helpless, yet Jesus helped those who were helpless. We were the ones, we are the ones that benefits from the work that Jesus did on the cross and when he rose from the dead. Jesus did not die on the cross, we could kind of say for fun. That's very obvious. He didn't even do it to make himself look good because there's nothing glorious about the cross. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. He did it for someone else's benefit. And he did this. He paid the price dearly. He paid a very expensive price so that we could accept this grace free of charge. We are all in, of need, in need. We are all in need of help. Are we going to be people that give grace freely? Are we going to be able to give out of ourselves for other people's benefit without expecting something in return? And are we going to be able to be willing to pay the price, whatever it might be, the sacrifices that are required so that this grace can be given to other people? Next it says that Jesus came from the Father full of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 2 says this, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Well, Jesus didn't go around and he wasn't offensive on purpose. Jesus wasn't one of, one of these uh, people that go around and make it their aim to be offensive, but when truth needed to be told, Jesus never beat around the bush. He said things the way that they are. He was full of truth. And as we think about sharing our hearts, I think sometimes we have this idea that we can kind of just share our hearts and, and maybe just a little part. Maybe we can um, still paint this picture of per perfection and just give this little sliver of vulnerability. Or we can say that everything is good and then you know, pretend that we're struggling with something that we're not. And we become very superficial or very fake. Sharing our hearts will require us for, to say the things the way that they really are. 
We need to be full of truth. We need to be ourselves. We need to avoid trying to put on a face that is not true. People might not always respect you for speaking the truth, but they will always disrespect you, disrespect you for twisting the truth. We might not get people's approval if we have the truth, but people will not respect us if we are going against the truth. I like what Henry Cloud says. He says, do not be fearful of the truth. It hurts, but it heals. So we see how God was generous to us. So how do we take this home? How do we make this applicable for us today? So how can we be generous in sharing our hearts? So I just have a few thoughts on how we can be generous in sharing our hearts. The first one is that we should share our joys with others. None of us are able to thrive or to thrive in our lives and in our faith by ourselves. God has created us that we, needed, we need grace, we need help from others. I like what Alice Freiling says. She says that God is the potter. Jesus takes my work, my influence, and it combines it with the work and influence of others to model each one of us into his own works of art. So we, we sometimes like to use this uh, idea of encouraging one another, building each other up, and we use it in, in context of struggles, but I think it's equally true in sharing joy. Sharing joy with each other, encouraging each other. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25 says. It says, let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deed. Not giving up meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Consider how you can spur others on. I think one of the things that we might not always do so well is to celebrate together. Laugh together, uh, celebrate each other's uh, triumphs together. Somebody gets a raise, one of our friends gets a raise, you know, go out for dairy freeze. Maybe not now, but, you know, in the summertime. Just celebrate together. Share your joys with other people. Don't be scared to authentically, from the heart, be thankful uh, with what you have. Jonathan was completely thankful that he had leaf tickets, even though they lost. But he shared that joy at work because, or at, here at the church because he was uh, thankful for that. So we should not be scared to share our joys with other people. Secondly, we should share our pain with others. So yeah, we can have, we, we're sitting here and we, we agree, yeah, sharing joys, that's a good idea. We should do that more often. Like everybody could be happy, but then we hear something like, we should share our pain together. And like, no, I'm good. But listen to what Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 to 2 says. It says, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch out yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burden, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So Paul in this verse starts off by saying, restore those in sin. Care for those in sin. So how does this kind of tie in with our, 
our uh, topic for today. Sharing in generosity, sharing our hearts with generosity. I think one of the things that we sometimes have maybe uh, an easier time doing and we're talking about sharing our hearts in pain is we're, some of us are really good at being there for other people. When somebody loses a loved one, we're there walking with them, sharing their pain with them. But when somebody is walking in sin, we see them and all their messiness and their dirtiness and we're like, I don't know if I want to like open my heart to that. Like what if I myself get dirty? But here Paul is saying, help those, walk with those. If somebody is caught in sin, you should restore that person gently. I like what Richard Foster says in the celebration of discipline. He says, we know that we are not alone in our sin. The fear and pride that cling to us like barnacles cling to others also. We are sinners together. In acts of mutual confession, we release the power that heals. Our humanity is no longer denied, but transformed. We share our humanity together. We share our sin together. Not in a sense that we, we start to affirm each other's sinful te- tendencies, but as we show grace, as we show acceptance, God can work in us, and the, the pain that comes from sin will be lifted. Furthermore, Paul says to carry each other's burdens. Pain seems to thrive in the dark. If you look around, you will see a bunch of people with smiles this morning. But I know for a fact that not all of you have peace. Some of you are carrying deep pain in your lives. But yet pain thrives in the dark. If nobody knows about your pain... If nobody knows about the pain in the person that is sitting next to you, that pain can't be carried by someone else. It can't be shared by someone else. And so if you are struggling with something, your heart is heavy, share that with somebody. If you are struggling with depression, one of the things that is so difficult about depression is that we have the people that have depression, we, we talk about how it's just this cloud over us. Or you are talking about how it's just not possible for me to go and be with people. So if, if you are, or if, if those of us that are struggling with depression are going through a hard time and we feel like going into the room, closing the door, turning off the light, if somebody comes to you and they say, can I walk with you? Allow them in. You might not have the strength to go seek them out but allow them to share their heart with you. God often uses others to heal our pain. And we can use our pain to encourage others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-4 to four says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So God often uses what we have gone through, the pain that we've experienced, the comfort that he has given us, we are to take that comfort and pass it on to others. And that will mean us opening our hearts and sharing our own experiences with others. Another thing that I I thought of as I was um, just thinking through this topic is that some of us, 
hide behind our positions in the church so that we don't have to share of our hearts. Let me explain what I mean with this. Those of us that kind of have those official positions in church, and I know there's many Sunday school teachers in here, maybe there's deacons, maybe there's elders, this type of thing. We kind of set up ourselves the ones leading or the ones helping. So people come to us for help. And as we talk with people, we, we kind of steer the conversation so that it's always directed to the other person where we, we say that, how can I pray for you? Or how can I help you through whatever you're going through? And we sometimes hide behind the position and we don't open ourselves up to allow other people to help us with our struggles. And so if you're serving in a different way, if you consider yourself as somebody that is always helping others, uh, open up your heart and, and share your struggles with other people. People don't respect us or respect you for your perfection. They respect you because they see somebody they can connect with and somebody that can identify with them. Thirdly, we should share our love with others. 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but we love one another. God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. I asked this in the first service already, but how many of you... Um, like Michael W. Smith. You remember him in like in the early 90s with the long like brown hair? Some of you are nodding and you're like, yep, that's me. Um, Michael W. Smith has one of those really cliched lyrics and I know that Pastor Ike could probably sing the whole song because he loves Michael W. Smith. But the line is, love isn't love till you give it away. Anybody remember that song? Okay, there you go. But there's a, there's a very profound truth in that. Love isn't just something that we can kind of hold in ourselves and feel towards somebody. It's something that isn't made complete until we give it away. We share it with other people. And love, if it is to be complete, it comes from the heart. And so we love people as we give love. Love is also shared in action. And uh, how many of you grew up listening to DC Talk when they had like, their really funky hairdos and stuff like that. Yeah, there you go. Remember the song, Love's a Verb? Some of you could probably rap the whole song, and it would be really just as cheesy it was then. Some of you younger people are like, what's that? Well, ask your parents. Love is a verb. Love requires action. Um, James chapter... 2 verses 16 says this if one of you says to them go in peace keep warm and well fed but does nothing about their physical needs what good is it what good is it love without action love without being a verb what good is it saying I wish you were warm doesn't make a person warm giving a person a blanket in love makes them warm that is what James is teaching here Love isn't love till you give it away. Love isn't love till it's a verb. And love isn't love till it's shared generously with others. Fourthly, we should share our experiences with others. I just want to talk to some of you that are maybe a little bit older. See if I can step on some toes. No, I don't, I don't do that intentionally. 
But if people are asking you for advice, people are coming to you and they're asking you, what do you think? These people are coming to you for advice because they think you have some wisdom to give. And so don't be scared to share wisdom with them. Don't be scared to walk with people and say, this is what I think. They asked you because they want to hear what you think. And so share your experiences with them. And the same could be said when people um, come to you asking you to serve in different ways. Maybe it's a board of elders, maybe it's one of us staff. We come to you and we, we try to encourage you and say, we see this gift in you. Would you consider serving in this way? We wouldn't ask if we don't see that gift in you. People wouldn't ask if they couldn't see that you would be able to share generously in that way. And so don't be scared to share your experiences with others. We also need you. Those of you that are a little older, that are mature in your faith, we need you to walk with us that are younger or those that are younger. I'm kind of in that age, I don't know if I'm young or I'm old or I'm very young. I'm not sure. But either way, if you're older than me, you need to walk with me. There we go. I just want to kind of, for lack of a better way of doing this, I just want to use an illustration. Suppose we live in a country where it's like a war zone. And uh, we're wa you're walking down a field and you walk into this field and all of a sudden you recognize, oh no, this is a minefield. And so you're looking around and you're like, there's mines everywhere. I don't know where to go. And so you take out your cell phone, you sit down, you know there's no mine right where you're standing, so you sit down, you call the, uh, I don't know, minefield hotline or whatever it is, and you have somebody on, their fo uh, uh, on the other side of the phone. Here's my question to us. Would you trust the person on the phone to direct you off of that field? Probably not. I hope not. What if that person over the phone gave you kind of 10 principles of, the, uh, of identifying mines on a minefield? Would you trust their uh, advice and then kind of try to go find the mines on your own over the phone? I hope not. What you would do is you would sit in that one spot where you knew it was safe and wait for a minefield technician to come out with the right experience, right equipment, and walk off the field with you together. That's what you would do. And that's what we need to do in the church. We need to be sharing our experiences with others. Those of us around um, you, and if there are people around you that need your wisdom, you need to walk with them. You need to share your heart with them. That you can help them walk past the minds and not step in them, saving them from making the same mistakes that you might have made. And as I wrap this up, I want to just recognize this is my last point, that being generous with your heart will require faith. It will require a step of faith. So what do I mean with this? It will require a step of faith because many of us, many of you, have experienced somebody stomping on your heart when you tried to share it. So that might not mean that we are able to trust everyone right away. It might not mean that we're just like, one day we wake up and you're like, oh, no more pain. Everything's good. I'm just going to, you know, go hand out my heart everywhere. That's not what I mean. But for what, some, of, some of you, it might mean that for today, you're going to make a decision that going forward, I'm going to open my heart maybe to one person. Or I'm going to share my heart, share my gifts with 
two people or these people, people that can benefit from my generosity. And as God heals you, there might be, um, there might be hardships in your doing so, but today I want to really encourage you to open your heart, share your heart with other people, share your love, share your emotions, share your joys, share your experiences with others. So in conclusion, I just want to encourage us today that generosity requires of us a generosity of the heart. Giving money, giving time, giving resources is often the easy part. What is hard is opening ourselves up to people, sharing who we are with people. But God wants you to become generous with your heart. So do it generously. Let's pray. God the Father, as we consider this topic of generosity, we have seen how you are generous. We have seen how you have been generous with us. In Jesus Christ, you became generous with us as you became one of us. And you freely shared your heart with us. Holy Spirit, you are generous in your presence as you live in us. And as we just wrestle with how we can share our hearts with other, others, I pray that you will begin to heal us. That we will not become stingy or not stay stingy with our hearts. And that we will share the love and grace with others with generosity. I pray for the uh, concert this evening. I pray that will be, uh, everything will go well and that you will send many people that uh, can receive a blessing from that. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Quentin spoke on being generous and sharing our hearts this morning. Perhaps you sense that God wants you to take a step of faith by generously serving in the church. We would love to talk with you to see where you could serve. Another way that you could be generous in sharing your heart with others is in a life group. If you are not in a life group or you would like more information on leading one, please call the church if you are interested. As a church, we are here for you and we want to pray with you. Please contact the office if you need to talk to someone or you are in need of prayer. Thank you very much. Have a fantastic day. You are dismissed. Oh.